0: Hey everybody, my name's AJ, and this is The Wealthy Idiot Show. Before we get any further, please make sure to destroy that like button for the YouTube algorithm, give us a subscribe, and comment down below any questions you may have.
1: Sometimes, you'll hear landlords tell people that if they don't like the landlord-tenant relationship, they can just leave, or buy their own
0: home if that's what they prefer. It's so simple, just buy your own home if you're so upset. That, that's what he's saying, right? He's saying the person could have bought their own home, but the landlord jumped in and what, like overballed them. No, landlords don't want to spend more money than a house is actually worth. We're trying to undercut as much as we possibly can. The only thing I can think of that would change that scenario is the supply and demand. If landlords are eating up all the supply, that may have some effect. I think that's what happens here, like in the Bay area. And the answer to that is allow people to build more so that they can profit so that they can drive down prices, so that we can benefit. While you can take out a mortgage to finance buying your home,
1: you will still need to pay a down payment if you want to own a house, that and expensive. that will need to come from your savings. You can't take a loan out for a down payment pretty much anywhere. That means only someone with enough in their savings can even consider home ownership as an option, meaning we've already filtered out millions of people from the just go buy your own house argument.
0: So then where do you expect those people to live until they can save up enough money? And then we go back to the original argument, which is houses already exist. Just give them one. And then how does that work into perpetuity? That's like the most six year old response I've ever heard. So everything seems to filter down to this. Like we could just give people the houses that are already there without understanding that, like how things work in terms of distribution. Then there's the fact that a mortgage isn't even guaranteed. Banks will frequently
1: deny people a $500 a month mortgage if they think they're too risky, blaming a low credit score. But of course, see no problem letting that same person continue paying $1,000 a month in rent.
0: Because it's not the same person taking the risk. The bank isn't taking the risk on the rent, the bank is simply taking the risk on lending the money. They could care less what you do after they tell you no, it's not a comparison between the two. So the way that the system works is banks are not willing to take a risk on someone if you can't produce enough income to cover that mortgage. Even if you could afford it and you could find a way to afford it, they're not going to risk it. They've run the numbers and they figured out like, look, based off the number of people that default, we can afford this. And that's that amount is, of default is is priced into that interest rate because they're trying to make sure that they're making money off of what they're lending out. And if you come in, like, look, half of my income is going to go to my mortgage and they're going to be like, no, too many people default at that amount. We can't take that risk. So you turn around and you're like, well, I got to pay even more for rent. Well, good news. Landlords tend to be able to take a higher amount of risk than banks. Almost as if the system has decided, like, look, someone needs to be taking this risk. What's the best way to handle this risk? And people were like, "Hmm, you know what? You know, I have some cash. I'm willing to take some risk. Let's see what happens. And the system worked itself out so that you can't afford to buy a home, but it's okay. You can still rent a house and you'll have somewhere to live. And if we just stopped messing with the supply by artificially reducing it, they'd be able to rent out a small apartment when they left their parents' house, maybe with a group of friends. Then as their life continued down the path, they may be able to get an apartment by themselves then a small house, then maybe a larger house as they get a family. But because we restrict the supply so tightly, it causes the spiral of increasing rents and home values. And it makes things too expensive for people to, to be able to afford. And that's what he's complaining about here. So it sounds like he's annoyed that, You know, rents are too expensive. They seem like they're not matching what people have. There's homes out there, so why can't I just have one? I don't understand why this works. And he's attempting to uh, grasp arguments to say it's these people's fault that this doesn't work out the way I need it to work out. Most of
1: the time you're renting somewhere. Your landlord is simply passing the cost of a mortgage off to you, the renter. They'll pay the down payment because they have enough savings and you don't, quickly make it back within a few months of renting the property out, and then cover the cost of a mortgage every month using your rent check. At the end of the day, you might have paid the full cost of the down payment and even the entirety of the mortgage, but they will own the house.
0: You will leave with nothing, and they will be left with an asset. (laughs) But you will be left having lived in a house for the time that you paid for it, right? That's That's how renting stuff works. That's true for everything that you rent. You go rent a car, right? And let's say you rented a car for a month and you came back and you are like, man, I should own a portion of this car. (laughs) What a stupid concept.
1: Effectively for free. And this might make it seem like since you're essentially able to afford it, you could theoretically save enough for a down payment and just own the house yourself. But of course, that's an almost impossibly difficult thing to do when 30 plus percent of your paycheck already goes towards paying for housing every month because you're forced to be a renter. Only those born into wealth can skip the renting phase and go straight to the home ownership phase. So,
0: I mean, yeah, maybe, but where's the person supposed to live? So he's he's straight up admitting that if you can't afford to own a home, but you can rent, like if I can't rent, where am I supposed to go? Like, am I supposed to live in my parents' house until I save up enough money? Wouldn't that make me privileged?
1: Then Everyone else needs to rent while they work and save up enough for the down payment. So really, the go-buy-your-own-house argument also doesn't apply to most people under 30. Then, on top of all this, there's the landlords who don't use this clever passing-the-buck trick with their mortgages, and whose rent checks are pure profit. Just as an example, 45% of landlords in the UK have no outstanding mortgages whatsoever. Every cent you send their way goes directly in their pockets they have the asset, and simply because of that fact and nothing more, they collect the money. So So if you can't afford to buy your own home, after all, millennials have 35% less wealth than previous generations at the same age, a singularly high mountain of student loan debt, suffer from the fact that housing prices have been on an upward trajectory their entire adult lives, and around 70% say that they are waiting to buy a home because they simply can't afford it. What are you supposed to do? (laughs)
0: <laughs> maybe stop restricting the supply of homes and stop supporting governments that do that. And then problem solved. People can rent and renting would be affordable. Don't know why rent is hated on so much here. He's like, you know, people are rent. They can't afford to buy a house. So they have to rent. Okay. They have a house though. Like, so you're paying for the service that's being provided. I don't, I don't see what the issue is there. He made the point that people aren't, don't have enough wealth and they're bridled with a ton of student loans. This is what this channel exists for. So I've said on here before, student loans, don't get them. Unless you can prove an ROI on the loan that you're getting, it's not worth getting. Now, if you could prove it, like, hey, I have to have this um, loan in order to get this specific job, all right, go for it, right? But if you can't prove it, there's no reason to. Go to a community college, go to a trade school, um, save up money, you know, get loans as a last resort. So that way you're not saddled with student loans. And then secondly, invest money as early as you possibly can. What it sounds like here is that young people don't know how this system works, and therefore, we should just eliminate the system. Maybe watching the Wealthy Idiot Show and liking and subscribing is the answer. Well, if you don't like renting because it's exploitative and rent-seeking, and
1: you can't afford your own place because staggeringly few people can, the only option left is homelessness. And homelessness, apart from being one of the most brutal, crushing situations a human being can experience, also happens to be pretty much illegal all over the country. Everywhere in the United States, cities erect anti-homeless architecture to drive the homeless out and make their mere existence miserable. It's illegal in many places to pitch a tent or even just sleep. And cops will happily enforce these laws, or enforce the anti-homeless law they imagine must exist even when it doesn't. Cops frequently destroy homeless camps, beat the homeless, or otherwise make their existence
0: hell. And once again, landlords know this is the alternative. Mmm, it's not the alternative. Most people are capable of finding someone to go live with, family members to support them, and especially in areas of extreme emergency. Some people are not. They do need to find homes. And we do have a lot of services in this country to help people with homes, and a lot of them are abused. So it sounds like, again, we need more homes so that we can increase the supply and drive down the prices. You notice that he showed video of California, Los Angeles specifically, and their homelessness problem. And it's interesting that the highest homeless in the world occurs in the places where we restrict the amount of available houses for people. Maybe if there were more and more landlords and the value or the price of rents dropped, there would be less homeless, but that doesn't exist currently. What exists is a system which restricts the number of houses, kind of like he proposes, and causes housing to be way too expensive for people to afford. Furthermore, showing California and the homelessness problem is interesting, considering the fact that California is one of the few states, and LA County specifically, and where I live in the Bay Area, where cops are not allowed to mess with the homeless. So that's interesting that he showed that, and then tried to make the claim that cops abuse the homeless. (laughs) They know
1: that if you complain, they can always call the sheriff and have you evicted, violently pushing you out of your home and closer to the terrifying possibility of becoming homeless. Landlords are not shy when it comes to using this pressure. Officially, 3.6 million eviction notices are filed each year. And that's just the official evictions, not including all the evictions millions of people are forced into when landlords suddenly jack up rents and you're forced to look elsewhere. The result is that in any given year, 3.5 million people, 1.4 million of them children experience
0: homelessness. Even in today's current market with prices being as expensive as they are, there's no excuse for people to not be investing. We've broke down the numbers here on this channel several times that even people who are low income and close to poverty are capable of not only surviving, but investing and saving money for a rainy day in order to cover problems like this. They just choose not to. And I get that people will push back on that. I've been extremely poor before. I've lived on the the floor of an apartment in a sleeping bag, and I still was able to find money to invest. Our lifestyles have inflated so high that we expect lifestyles that are higher than what it is that we make an income and then we act as if it's an insane request to suggest that you should be more frugal when it comes to buying food the house that you purchase or rent the car that you select or any kind of transportation i think the problem again leads back to we need to be more financially minded and financially educated and we're just not what all this means is that every lease you've ever had has been signed under
1: duress. While you technically have the freedom to choose what landlord you sign a lease with, most people do not have the freedom to not sign a lease at all. The only other reasonable- That's like
0: saying that any restricted um, item, like food, clothing, for water, <laughs> for example, is an item that you're purchasing under duress because you have no choices. And yet, most food is pretty cheap relatively. I mean, it's expensive now, but it's fairly cheap relatively. If you go to a grocery store, you can find some cheap stuff. When I went apartment shopping, I went around to a bunch of different apartments and I found one that had the amenities that I wanted that was actually cheaper than my competitor. And by nature, that kind of shopping drives prices down. So again, more availability will allow people to make selections, forcing people whose selections aren't as good to drive their prices down in order to compete and that's the cycle that we want to produce. That means that those who control the supply,
1: landlords, can create artificial scarcity to jack up the prices. Since when
0: push yeah. but how how do they create artificial scarcity? How can I affect the scarcity of anything? Where is this artificial scarcity coming from? Who is restricting the building of new apartment complexes and new houses in the Bay Area? Who prevented the amount of building that happened every decade before in the last decade here? It wasn't landlords. Landlords didn't restrict that. So far, all these have been generic problems with
1: landlords. But then there are all of the specific consequences of this system. For starters, in the US, a lot of the housing supply is not held by individuals, but by investment firms. Further proof that it's not work that makes landlords money, by the way, it's literally just the ownership of assets. Hundreds of thousands of Americans, whether they know it or not, are renting from Wall Street. For-profit firms, as opposed to individual investors, control around 45% of the housing supply, or 21.7 million individual units, according to Pew. As a for-profit venture, housing owned in this arrangement usually comes with even worse conditions than a quote-unquote normal landlord-tenant relationship. Renting from Wall Street comes with aggressive rent hikes, fee gouging, and high rates of eviction. This is because investors have found that Although tenant turnover costs companies an average of $1,500, they can easily recover that cost through late fees, court fines, or retaining tenants' security deposits. And since shareholders demand that profits consistently outpace inflation, that cost gets passed on to renters. In other words, you. This means for-profit firms will make sure to make a profit by any means necessary. The perpetrators of these acts are companies like Blackstone, the world's largest real estate management firm, which should obviously not be confused with BlackRock, the mega-firm that also invests a ton into housing, $120 billion by their own admission, and which has multiple former high-level employees in the Biden admin. Nor should it be confused with Blackwater, the private security company hired by the US government that guarded the homes of the wealthy during Hurricane Katrina and was given the license to shoot people simply trying to flee one of the greatest disasters in American history. Three very different,
0: totally normal companies that should absolutely not be mixed up. So a bunch of people on Wall Street who have connections in the government are purchasing properties, and then the government is restricting supply, thereby increasing the value of their investments, and also inflating rents. So what's the answer to that? I would feel like there's only one logical response to that one, but I have a feeling that he's gonna go for the answer of those people in government who are obviously corrupt need to somehow produce an uncorrupt result of just getting rid of this whole system.
1: Affordable or even free housing is not only feasible, it's the norm in plenty of places around the world. When you take profiteering out of the equation, you free up funds that can go into making public housing amazing and available to all. The way socialists in Vienna, for example, have created public housing that not only looks great, but fully houses 62% of the city. If all landlords do is orchestrate the process of a home going to someone who needs it, but do so while skimming huge profits off the top, never reinvesting that money into making the property better, and keeping out millions of people who desperately need it, it's not hard to imagine a city or national government
0: being able to do the same thing better without all the awful rent seeking. So this is like a common argument for, I mean, he's kind of a self-proclaimed socialist here, I'm assuming, I think he said he was a leftist at the beginning and then a socialist just now, but the argument that people making individual private transactions that are best for themselves can somehow be handled by a bureaucrat thousands of miles away better is, is a crazy concept. We have tons of housing here in California that's made for the poor and homeless. It's it's an extremely large business, right? You have people who come in and are like, we need to solve housing. Let's spend crazy amounts of money buying up property that somebody owns and hiring construction crews that are generally wealthy and connected to build all this housing for all these people that can't afford it. So we build it all. And then what happens? It doesn't solve any of the homeless problem. We often build houses in places where the homeless aren't, or we build properties that fall apart easily and quickly, or the homeless come in and destroy the properties because they have no vested interest in keeping the properties nice. So then what do we do the next year? Hey, exact same landowners and exact same construction firms. Can you do the same process all over again? The government is a terrible source for uh, connecting private transactions. So it sounds like he's back at the beginning, which is we don't have enough supply, the prices are going through the roof and we're going to solve that by giving the very same people who corrupted the supply to help wall street, the power to decide how the supply should work for everyone in all cases. That's kind of an insane response free
1: or at least affordable housing provided with the goal of safely housing the population not for the passive profits of those who hold housing for ransom, can be our reality. It doesn't have to be just a dream. All we have to do is
0: cut out the middleman. Alright, that's the end of the video. Sorry I'm so passionate about this topic. I thought that his response was fairly juvenile and crazy, and I had to like... I had to just discuss it with you guys and let you know how I felt. I understand that not everyone's going to agree with me on this one. I feel like the best solution to reducing the cost of homes is to build more homes, right? And anything, in any market, supply and demand will balance those things out. Now, imagine if someone was freely able to just build a home here in California without the regulations and without the the government bureaucracy, we just built a property like we we bought cheap land somewhere on the outside of town and we built a house on top of it. I could turn around and sell that house for three, four times the amount of money that it took me to build it. With that amount of profit, it would drive tons of investors into building homes in order to take advantage of that market. And then eventually, as more homes saturate the market, the value will slowly start to decrease until we start to hit the equilibrium. Right now, the equilibrium is falsified by an artificial retraction of properties by the very same people he is looking to have solved the problem. It's just not gonna happen. But the reason I picked this video is for personal levels, we can't really control what everyone else is doing. We can, you know, like this gentleman here, we can say, Like, yeah, the world should be like X and then hope, you know, someday that that occurs. Or we can live within the system that we live in and we can understand how to play by the rules that are given to us. And here at the Wealthy Idiots, we're trying to give you that information as best we can so that you can play the game and become successful and become one of the people that this guy hates so much. So if you wanna become one of the people that this gentleman hates, please hit the like button. If you disagree with anything I say, I'd love to hear it if you comment down below. Help check out wealthyidiots.com, and I'll see you guys next time.